I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. Welcome back to another episode of Ginger and Dutch here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast on a snowy Tuesday in February, digging ourselves out of a foot of snow. Folks, make sure you're joining a special episode uh, this Thursday night live on Instagram. Dutch will not be able to join us, but uh, at 8.30 p.m. we're talking all things NFL, specifically the quarterbacks. But uh, So you won't get much NFL talk here today. Dutch, come on in. We've got a bunch to talk about other than the NFL. I just want to talk about how sore my back's been from all the snow, uh, all, doing all the shoveling the last uh, last couple of days, uh, specifically on the uh, on the ponds. Well, we've been doing some skating, and it's been great. But Beautiful. Anyways, anyways, we're hanging in there. Canadian boys doing Canadian things, right? That's it. That's it. So let's get into uh, some rapid fire. We've got a couple quick uh, stuff to, a uh, couple things to cover here. Before we get into uh, our special guest, Craig Bowlerjack from the Utah Jazz play-by-play man, we'll be talking NBA East and West, talking a little bit of NHL, and uh, some NCAA basketball here. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm up first. I know you've been begging me to talk about this for the last couple weeks, uh, and and that's uh, number one is uh, the Australian Open. Sometimes it's tough for me to get into tennis. I'm typically a Wimbledon and uh, French Open guy. Um, this year, the only kind of cool thing is there's, there's a qualifier uh, ranked 114th in the world, Alison Karastav, which is a, a Russian dude, and he's in the semis. He's going to face Novak Djokovic, so there goes the end of the line for there. But talk to me about the Australian uh, Open. Yeah, yeah, there's some real cool stuff going down in in the Australian Open. Canadians-wise, uh, tough, tough tournament. You know, Bianca gets uh, gets knocked out early. Rebecca Marino gets knocked out uh, early as well, so tough from that perspective, uh, from the ladies' side. From the men's side, Canadian-wise, um, Chapeau and Felix Ogier Alassim played each other in the round of 16, yeah. um, and, or sorry, in the round of 32, and uh, Felix moved on along with Milos Ranić, but uh, tough goal. Karasev ended up upsetting uh, Oger Alassim in that round to move on to the quarterfinals and eventually now on to the semifinals. But what a story from that side in that the guy had to play three qualifying matches in January just to get into the tournament. He's now facing the number one player in, te- in men's tennis in, in Djokovic in the semifinals. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, so cool from that side. We've got the only Canadians left right now in the tournament are, are mixed doubles. I believe they're in the quarterfinals tonight. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And then on the ladies' side, some other cool stories happening. We've got Jessica Pagula in the court in her first ever quarterfinals. So really neat there. She's uh, the daughter of uh, Tim, or sorry, Kim and. Um, Terry Pogoville, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. I can't believe I uh, yeah, your Buffalo did, Bills, my yeah. Buffalo Bills there. Yeah. So um, that'll be interesting to, to see. She's playing Jennifer Brady, um, coming off of a semifinals from the U.S. Open in 2020. But it's been pretty much chalk on both sides of, of the field here. Well, you look at the you look at the men's side is you know one two four five six seven are all uh, it, all made it to the quarterfinals, including Nadal. So it's shaping up to be a Nadal Djokovic final. 
Um, they've played each other a couple times in the finals before, and Jokovic has won both times. In fact, he's 8-0 in the Aussie uh, Open, and that's Jokovic. So uh, it's his tournament to lose. He's, he dominates that, that tournament. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, wouldn't it be something, though, if, if Aslan uh, Karasev could get it? Uh, this is his first ever major. If he could beat Djokovic, yeah. uh, like I said, the, you know, the guy quit tennis for three months last year yeah. at the start of the pan- pandemic. He was outside the top 250. Um, the first qualifier ever to make it to a quarterfinals, let alone a semifinal, since Gorny Sinisevic in 1989, I believe, at Wimbledon with that big serve. The big lefty. Yeah. So interesting from that side, Jessica Pagula. Uh, she's been kind of doing okay uh, in the doubles team, more of a doubles player, but nice for her to uh, make her presence felt on the single side. But I wanted to bring something up, and I was going to let it kind of marinate for a week, and we we're going to talk about and introduce a new segment of who's the goat. And I wanted to start off with tennis and talking about men's tennis. We all know who the goat is in women's tennis. But I'm telling you right and, and now, she's and she's sorry, I'm cutting you off there. And she's in the semifinals again. She won. He, she beat Halep this morning yeah. or last night. Yeah, ranked ranking uh, her rankings ten this this time going around. Uh, and and you do have the the local girl uh, Ashley Barty. She's number one, and she's she's poised to win it all. But wouldn't you see Serena do it again? <laughs> Serena's going to win this tournament. Ninety three million dollars in earnings. She's got twenty three majors. Yeah, I'm putting it out there. I'm going to let you marinate on a week, like I said, but. I think Serena Williams is the greatest tennis player of all time. On the ladies' side, yeah, and and if you want, you can. It's just to, you. I know I'm you can. Going all time. I'm going all time. I'm going all time. I'll let you marinate it on a yeah, week. Yeah, we got. I'll I'll, uh, I'll be ready to go because I I know there's some crazy stats with the you know with the the, the three kingpin. You, you can't count Annie Murray in there anymore. And no. I'm sorry, Pistol Pete. It's, it's not Pistol Pete, but Pete Sampras. He's just not there. Uh, Jimmy Connors is. He, he still holds the record for the most wins, most title wins. I think he's got 109 or 110. Yeah. And I know Federer is trying to catch him, but we'll have a great talk because I got lots to say about. Federer, Nadal, Jokovic, because those three guys are just absolutely unbelievable when you start looking at their numbers and their lines. Yeah, and it, you know it, it'll be Osaka, Naomi Osaka is going to play Serena in the, in the semis, and then like you said, Barty's going to play that winner of the Jennifer Brady and, and Pagula match. So I actually prefer watching the women's tennis more than the men's. I think there's more rallies, and I think it's just funner tennis to watch. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how this Australian Open closes out. But there's tons of fun stuff happening down under in men's and ladies tennis. Now your turn. I can't believe I'm going to admit this, but I actually put it on the other night. Uh, Not for long, but I did put it on. A bunch of men making left-hand turns in really fast cars. The Daytona 500 Dutch. Tell me about it because... I couldn't last more than half hour watching it. You just said it. You stole my thunder. Left turn, Clyde. And some of my friends will know what movie. That's a Clint Eastwood movie. So I'd I'd love for anybody to tell me what movie that is. Again, left turn, Clyde. NASCAR. Well, let me tell you. It is one that I traditionally watch. Um, I almost forgot that it was on until I found out that there was a, you know, almost a six hour rain delay. And there was nothing else to watch, so so I did you know watch it. And it's a massive track, right? Two and a half mile track. It's crazy. The the only crappy part with now with with Daytona is it's a lot of single files. So I'm gonna start with this, okay? And I'm gonna just read you this because we had to look it up because we were joking about it. NASCAR rules state when the caution flag comes out when there's a wreck on the last lap, the car that's in front when the caution comes out is the winner. Okay, so anybody who didn't watch it, I, I, I challenge you to go onto YouTube and watch the last lap and a half, okay? And Mr. Michael McDowell, who didn't lead a lap the entire race, 
He's in fact he's never won a race in 358 starts, but that, yet he still continues to race on the grandest stage of all. Bumps the two car Brad Kozlowski, who then bumps the 22 lead car Joey Logano. They both crash a massive wreck. Six cars fires this that and the next. And he goes past them for a, about a 10-second gap. The caution flags out, and he wins the Daytona 500. I'm sorry, folks, but what the hell is going on? You mean to tell me that that's how a race ends? That's that's NASCAR, I guess. Let, alone, NASCAR. let alone you were asking me about stage one and stage that's two where I points it out. out. That's where I turned it <laughs> out. When the guy got declared the stage one winner, what is this, the Tour de France? Well, they are have, we racing cars or I bikes know, here. I know it's 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 they changed it because they wanted to make it a little bit more enjoyable for you know fantasy and for a, a, you know okay all, that makes a lot all the more different sense. points and stuff and then try and, and they they almost have it's almost like a, a FedEx Golf Cup but it's not um, and they accumulate points throughout the season so each race except for one of them I believe it's the I believe it's the Coca Cola event that has a four stages but every other event has three stages so stage one the top ten get points. Stage two, the top ten get points, and then in the final stage, the points get distributed, and they're bigger for the whole field. For the, the remaining Whoever field finishes. that's left, you okay. got it. So, so it, it it's kind of cool in a way, but it, it just seemed nonchalant there. Denny Hamlin, who 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 led pretty much, in, I think ninety laps of the of the race, he won the first two stages, so he collected points, and then all of a sudden he just gets pushed back into the mix, and he ultimately didn't have a chance to win because he was down. I think he was like eight or ten coming down that final couple laps, but. I don't know, folks. Uh, get me Bristol Motor Speedway 24 times in a row um, and watch the smash-ups and banging and a little bit of that, and they say Rubbin's racing, but just somebody please explain to me how you can win a freaking race by bumping the car in front of you to move them out of the way so that you can win. I, I just don't get it. Doesn't make any sense to me either, Dutch. All right, all right. I think they should have gave points to the guy who went to the McDonald's drive-thru in the middle of the rain. <laughs> that's... That's who should have got That is classic. Well, what else are you going to do? Six-hour rain delay? Like, and, and you know Can what? I say cheeseburger picnic? That's right. They would never do that in Formula One, right? Formula One's a lot different because of their, they are only allowed in the, the car for a certain amount of time and everything. That that whole thing would have been postponed to the next day. But I don't know. I'm starting to like F1 a little bit better than NASCAR. Anyways. Well, after, let's uh, transition over. And what a perfect time to talk about this. One of our listeners, our regulars, uh, wanted us to talk about this. And that was... The defense of the Toronto Maple Leafs, specifically who we thought was the best defenseman after the first 16 games, after we're almost pretty much just a little bit past the uh, the quarter pole here of the NHL season. And uh, I did some, some pretty heavy research on this, looking at, uh, at everything. And before we get into certain players specifically, shout out to the Leafs. That's because your first one of the day, by the way. I know. That is my first okay, shout-out of the ready, day. I know ready. last week I had three or four. <laughs> so shout-out to the Leafs defense. 2018, they averaged 33 shots a night against Frederick Anderson. 2019, they averaged 32 shots a night. And this season, we're down to 27.7. So almost down to 27 shots a night. So that's that's significant. They're playing better hockey, and, and you've talked about that. And we talked about that on, on prior podcasts so that was something that was nice to see. I wanted to see, you know, is it just my... They're passing the eye test, but is, are they also passing the, the analytics side? And are they actually producing results? And the second thing that I noticed in, in the research is, and it would be big in the NHL, especially on defense because of the pairings and, and how guys can work together up the ice, in the corners, all those things in front of the net. 
Um, you know, I don't claim to be an expert in, in hockey um, fundamentals and strategy, but health, big, big thing. We've got Riley, Hall, Muzzin, Brody, and Bogosian have played every single game so far. Yep. That's five out of the six. Um, Dermot and uh, Lettinen have kind of subbed in and out, and I think the one night that they chose to address seven defensemen last week, yeah, Sandine, which, in there, right? Sandine was yeah. in there yeah. as their seventh to get him a little experience. He played five minutes, so let's not really even include him in there. So to get through this season so far, they've only used seven defensemen. That's crucial because a lot of teams you're looking at, they're using eight, nine, ten guys, yeah. um, especially with all this COVID. So a couple kind of trends and things that I uh, that I saw. With the with the Leafs, so we should put a poll up then uh, for sure because you know I, I really well let me start with this last night was the first sign of a of a collapse now Leaf fans don't get yourself in a panic like you typically do you know one bad game but on the flip side of that no team in in NHL should ever lose uh, being up five to one it was just absolutely ridiculous they completely fell apart and Freddie didn't help him at all. Um, and that was last night's game, and there was a bit of feistiness in that game. Uh, yep. I was I was going to ask you, which we'll get to that in a second, about you know are you getting bored yet of the the same teams over and over again? But um, I really like the way the defense is playing. I said this last week. Um, Muzzin would be my guy that I would be picking right now. I I, I really like Hall as well, but Muzzin's just a solid stay at home. He got in the mix a little bit last night with Tuchuk. Um He's averaging over twenty one and a half minutes a game. He's plus six. Playing some tough, hard minutes against the top lines, um, and I really like the way he's he's playing right now. Yeah, plus nine for Jake Muzzin. There he is, plus nine. Okay, plus nine. And I I know, I know. uh, Hey, it's plus minus is not always the best way to to you know to judge a player, but uh, like you said, nine points, which is solid. Twenty eight blocks, which is massive, which is huge. Twenty eight hits, so he's playing a tough physical game. You know, back to the point of their their D as a whole, they just they've got those stay at home guys. They've got actually defensemen now. It's not you know Riley with with Gardner and Sandine and Dermot and Hall, and they're all trying to do the same thing, and that's get the puck up the ice and score goals. You've got Muzzin, you've got Brody, you've got Bogosian, guys that are just going to stay at home. You look at a guy like like Bogosian, he's got one point. Yep. In 16, 16 games. Yep. But he's plus six. He's playing 15 minutes a night, 13 blocks, 22 hits. Yep. Just steady Eddie, just playing his role, not trying to you know, do something that isn't his strength. And he's just playing towards his strengths and, and staying away from his weaknesses, doing a good job. I've got to go. You know, TJ Brody gets gets a little bit of a nod and you know an honorable mention. But Justin Hall has got uh, to be the guy. You know, six points in, in 16 games, plus six, um, 21 and a half minutes a night, so he's playing the same amount of yep. time as, yep. as Muzzin and Brody. Uh, Riley gets a little bit more because he's getting out there on the PP a little bit more, and the Leafs do like to go with one defenseman and four forwards because they're so strong at forward. Um, but 26 blocks, 26 hits for Hall um, going into last night's game. So solid performance from uh, from both of those guys I think they're one and two and then you're into the Riley Brody uh, Bogosian yeah, as, no. as the next the, batch they're hopefully they snap out of whatever happened last night because it was just a, a debacle and their their D has been great but like I did want to mention before we uh, end our rapid fire I did want to ask you like are you getting bored uh, it's the same teams over and over again um <sighs> 
it's starting to get a bit rougher and tougher, but, I mean, with with no fight anymore, these guys, I don't want to say they're sissies, but it's a whole different league now. I mean, it's all about, you know, last night there was tons of scoring. There was so many goals last night, which is nice to see, and I guess maybe that's what the NHL wants to see, but um, I don't know. Are you, are you disinterested in the fact that they just keep playing the same teams over and over again? I know we were pumped at first about it. Yeah, you're, you're always pumped, and I guess the hope was is that you would see some of this a little bit of old-school hockey and... And thing I think what's got me a little bit disinterested is is we're exactly where we thought we would be with with the teams that are at, in the top four. Like you know, I look at the standings. I wake up this morning and I look at the standings, and I look at the teams that are in the top four in each division, and I just don't see how this is going to change. Yeah. And I think that's what's got me disinterested. Yeah. Whether it's the same team, hockey's hockey, and and like I said, you know, it's it's. Wouldn't be my number one sport by by any means, but I do enjoy watching it, and I do respect the athleticism and the reaction time of everybody, anybody uh, that plays hockey at that high of a level, especially in the NHL. But um, I just don't see anything changing in these standings, and I know the games are bigger because you know the swings can happen four or five points, uh, or sorry, three four points a night in in terms of overtime and winning games and regulation yeah. and yeah. and all those things, but. Um, I just don't see the standings changing. Yeah, unless there's some major injuries and stuff, I agree. And and they're starting to get the COVID figured out. I mean, there were some teams that we mentioned last week when we were talking with uh, Avalanche guests um, about them not playing. And and the Devils are finally playing tonight. They've been out for two weeks. The Sabres were back last night. So, you know, I think there's only one game postponed today. So they're getting, hopefully they're getting on track like every other major sport. But um, in any event, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where uh, where we shake down. No, for sure, Dutch. True enough. And uh, let's uh, let's transition over now to uh, some NBA chat. Uh, we were looking to have Craig Bowler, Jack from the Utah Jazz, play-by-play guy, twelve eighty, the zone in Utah. Uh, we actually had him on, but we've lost him to uh, to some technical difficulties. But let's have that chat. Let's talk about the NBA contenders, pretenders. Yeah, too much, too much snow, and uh, he was great. I mean, we had him for a short time, so we'll we'll kind of jump into some of his talk. But what I was bringing up to him was, uh, and we'll start on that side is the Utah Jazz. Listen, they're twenty twenty three and five. They had an, another big win last night against the Seventy Sixers. I know they didn't have Joel Embiid, which he had mentioned in there, but they're undefeated in February. They're eight zero. They're nineteen and one in the last twenty. These are like Chicago Bulls style run right now. Nineteen and one, like I said, in the last twenty. Jordan Clarkson goes off for 40 points last night. Um, you are want to talk to him about potential six-man-of-the-year candidate because he's on fire. But, you know, are, are they really this good right now? And, and what, what did, how did Craig respond to it for, for the little time we had him on there? Yeah, he was, he was pretty excited. And, and he was talking a lot about uh, the team play and their bench and Clarkson and Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and just everybody kind of pitching in and doing their part. And he's bang on. You know, this team's six in scoring. This isn't your Carl Malone and John Stockton Utah Jazz, folks. Um, I know here in, on the Eastern Seaboard, we, we don't get a lot of those late-night Jazz games, but this team's sh- shooting 42 threes a night. They're 39.5%, which is six in the league, from three-point land. Gobert and some of the bigger guys are hitting the glass. 11, uh, 11.2 offensive rebounds a night. First in rebounding overall, so they're, they're shooting the three-ball well. They're rebounding well. And uh, they're an exciting, high-flying team to watch. And, and I, I wish I had the opportunity to talk to Craig about it because I think Jordan Clarkson, I don't want Lou Williams. I don't want Norm Powell. I want Jordan Clarkson as the sixth man of the year right now. 
in the NBA. He's been absolutely phenomenal. He's been he's been tearing it up, and, and it, like you said, it's too bad we didn't get a chat, but because we really wanted to know. I mean, he did say, you know, there is some luck involved right now, and it is a shortened season, 72 games, as we all know. Um, and, you know, they haven't had any injuries, knock on wood, so they've been riding it as a team format. But when you look at their, their starting lineup, I mean, does this mean that they need one more piece? I mean, um, Bogdanovich, Gobert, Clarkson, sorry, Clarkson coming off the bench, um, Donovan Mitchell, you've got uh, Joe Inglis. They, they've got a, a, an absolute solid team, but is 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 can can Donovan, you know, turn into a bona fide superstar? And, and you've got the stats that really don't show that he's there. Is is this his ceiling, or what? What do you think? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, he's he's not in the top ten in scoring. You know, at twenty four and, and change in, in points per night, um, only four or five rebounds a night, only four or five assists, and don't, I say only. You know, those are great NBA numbers, and, and that's playing at a pretty elite level. But nobody on this team is in that top 10 level, that that, that superstar level, the, the level that can single-handedly carry you to a championship. And look what they're going to have to go through um, versus the Lakers, who will find a way to get healthy. I know uh, Davis went down with uh, soreness in the Achilles for yep. a couple weeks here. And the Clippers are down both of their stars right now, as, they, as uh, we were talking about. So you're right. I mean, can Phoenix make that same run? I mean, we could be having the same conversation with the Phoenix guys, and maybe we'll get them on. But let's hope we can get Craig back on in a couple of weeks. If uh, if these Utah Jazz stay hot and keep rolling, we're gonna get them on. We're gonna get them on with a proper feed. Like I said, I mean, we're we're not professionals here, we're amateurs. But it was really due to the storm, and that's why, unfortunately, we couldn't get them on. Yeah, and and you mentioned the the Suns there because I had the Suns on the pretender list. I I'm not sold on these Phoenix Suns yet. 21st in, in points per game, um, dead last in getting to the free throw line in the NBA. That's not a good recipe. Um, lacking a little bit of a big man, going with that four guard um, style, playing small ball in and out. I just in yeah, the West day, in the West I just can't see that happening. But in this day and age, you said it though. It's still. It's, I mean, we'll argue about this for a second. It, it's it's still all about shooting the three ball. I mean, that's all the the stats, all the analytics right now. So who cares if they're getting to the right. line or not? But it, but it's 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 how you get to the three ball. What I like about Utah and what I like about their style is they 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 do play inside to outside. Yeah, they drive they, and push. They, yeah. they they drive and push. They they dump it into Gobert. He yeah. finds the man. Yeah. Um. So it's a little bit of a different style than. Like DeAndre Ayton, okay, yeah, he's okay, I guess. Yep. Okay. But is anybody really going to respect him? No. no. As Gobert, when he gets going, or Embiid and some of these guys that can can provide an inside presence, look at JV the other night, yeah. right? If you can, if the threat of scoring once that ball is dumped down to the post and then you push it out to the open three, to me that's more of a recipe for success than pick and pop sure. and, and just lining up at the three-point line and, dribbling the ball a few times and shooting the three. It, yeah. You know, that may work every once in a while or sometimes night in, night out yeah. for a stretch. But on a long-term uh, basis, I, I'm not sold on the Suns yet. Okay, well, then let's flip to these because you, you brought up Embiid there. Uh, you know, Doc Rivers has got them rolling, right? He, he, I, I'm really enjoying the way he started off with these guys. And, yep. and they're doing great. But it's pretty wide open still. Like, you know, everybody, I think the... They're at ten. They're eighteen and ten. The seventy six or so. Everybody in the East has got at least ten losses. Uh, you know, Milwaukee hasn't found their form yet. Uh, the Celtics are the Celtics. Uh, is somebody going to go on a streak like these Utah Jazz, or or are we just? Is it just a blah Eastern Division that four or five teams can win it? Well, you you posed a couple of great great questions there, and I'll answer your first one, and then I'll get back to the second one. 
the team that can that's gonna make that run is the Brooklyn Nets. I wasn't sold. I'm not sold on on James Harden, but I'm gonna read you a couple numbers here and 14, 12, 12, 11, 11, 8, 15, 11, 14, 14, 16, 12, 10, 12. So he's proven everybody that he can pass the ball and be an assist guy. Correct. He is the point guard. He's running this team 11.2 assists a night, leading the league in assists, leading the league, Dutch. Yeah. This is James Harden, the guy that we never thought could do it. And you know what? Maybe we, we didn't pay attention enough in Houston. I'm, I'm not sure. Well, but, and he's trying but, to prove a point as well that, hey, he doesn't have to be the scorer. Maybe in Houston he thought he had to be the scorer, and, and that clearly didn't get him a championship, Todd Elson. I'll throw that out there on the door, and now we'll just see if uh, if those Brooklyn Nets can do that. But you are right. They are going to be scary. If those three guys are healthy going into the playoffs, um, and including including their sidecast. Their sidecast is still good. I love yep. Harris. I love Harris yeah, as an outside shooter. shooter. Yep. Um, you're right. Brooklyn could be the team there, but who's going to pull away? I'm not sure if anybody's going to pull away in the East right off the bat. I think it'll be more come playoff time. Yeah, and and I want to know what's wrong in in Boston. Thirteen and thirteen, five hundred here, um, as we sit right now recording this podcast. What I see is twenty eighth in assists. I know Kemba Walker's been Walker's been hurt a little bit, missing twelve games. Smart's been out. Smart's been out yeah. for for just as many games. But to me, they, they, they don't have a point, man. And they just, with those guys being out right now, they don't have a third score. Yeah. They don't have anybody other than, than Jalen Brown and um, um, who am I thinking there? That third, uh, the second guy. Don't have it. Yeah. Tatum? Yes. Yeah, thank you. Tatum. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And yeah. that's, if those two guys aren't rolling. Yeah. Then you're in deep trouble when you don't have that that third guy. Yeah. But two teams that we talked about on our last podcast, Dallas uh, Mavericks. There, yeah. Won four out of their last five. Yeah. Uh, just below 500, creeping their way up in the, the West. And uh, Miami Heat getting healthy again. Won four out of their last six. I see both of those teams continuing on the ascent here. So, so do I. And then before we take it to break, uh, you know what? Just real quickly on the Raptors. So obviously they 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 lost a difficult one uh, to the the lowly Timberwolves, but and they're they're still trying to figure out if they can you know if they're going to be a contender or as you said a pretender. Um, I know there was talks of getting a big man. They're talking about um, you had mentioned it earlier. Um, Andre, Andre Drummond. Drummond. Um, I'm not sure if that's the answer or not. I mean, they'd have their scores and that, but they, they, I think it might be time. We'll see. Um, you know, as we keep trying to work on uh, Mr. Smith, we'll get him on the show eventually. Come halftime, uh, um, right around All Star break, and we'll uh, we'll break down these Raptors uh, a little deeper and see if they can actually make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, let's hope. Let's yeah. hope that they can uh, do it because the the worry right now is is that that might not happen. I just. Just you lose to a team like that. That's a tough, yeah, tough go. Can they come back? You got a tough schedule, like you mentioned on the last podcast. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. But we're gonna have Eric on, like we said. He'll be able to break us, break it down for us. Yeah. As to where the Raptors are in their season. Yeah. And uh, when we get back from break, folks, we're gonna get into our scorching hot golf picks once again. Ginger and Dutch were on fire with the golf picks. We're at Riviera this week. Short drive up the uh, the coast, up, up the coast from Pebble. And then we're going to get into uh, some more basketball, a little all-basketball episode here. We've got NCAA basketball, men's basketball coming up. The tourneys around the corner, conference tournaments around the corner, the regular season's ending, and we'll catch you on the flip side. I cannot believe I got suckered into doing a break for Ginger and Dutch this week. They must be getting pretty desperate to reach out to me. 
I feel kind of hypocritical doing this. Like, they aren't even my favorite ginger and Dutch. Andy Dalton is my favorite ginger. I like Orange Drank better than Ginger, too. And, and Alistair Overeem is the best Dutch. And, oh, uh, I think I already started recording. And you better be listening to the Ginger and Dutch podcast, a real-life passion for real-life sports talk. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold Skinny said so. Oh, hell yeah. You know where you are? You're in the dog pound, baby. With the Dutchman. Dutch's dogs! How? All right, folks. Welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're going to have a poll going up for who you feel is the best Leafs defenseman two points this season. And also uh, a little extra special episode on our Instagram live. Dutch, we're going to miss you. Hopefully you'll have time to pop on. I know you're doing some family stuff that day, so uh, maybe we can get you on there for a couple minutes at least. We're talking all things NFL, quarterbacks, the carousel. we got friend of the show, old boy, coming on. Lots doing of a, still. Doing a little one-hour uh, Instagram live. So join us Thursday, February 18th, 8.30 p.m. We'll be going live for the Ginger and Dutch Interactive Are session. Are you going to tell the old boy uh, that he's the profanity has to be uh, on the league minimum since you're going to be live? Or how's yeah, that yeah. no, I've already, I've already talked to him and his wife. All right. Swearing's to a minimum. Yeah. We're a family show here at Ginger yeah. and Dutch. So. Well, there's lots to talk about, and I, I know there's some uh, some some rumors going on with uh, Carson Wentz right now, and um, there'll be tons. You guys will have a blast on there, and if I can get on there, I will for sure. Awesome. Well, so check that check that out on Thursday night, folks, uh, as you listen to this podcast. And let's get into our golf picks. Woo-hoo-hoo! We are excited. Folks, I'm going to preface this. We've just gotten together to record this podcast here, social distance style. But we did all of our prep, as most weeks we do, all yep. of our prep separately. And we had two of the same picks. So we've maneuvered a couple picks around each. But, uh, How can you not? Obviously, our brains are working. We are just absolutely forget the words fire now. We're just we're we're going out of control right now. Yep. Besides landing a winner, and, and you know what, I gotta give him uh, full marks. You know, for Daniel Berger, four wins in a row now on the tour. Uh, he's had a bunch of seconds. Uh, it's it, so it's back to back years now that he's won on tour. Um, he was phenomenal, and after you smashed the ball on the third round on 18 at Pebble Beach, and everybody knows that hole, and he hits it out of bounds. I don't know how on the God's earth you hit it out of bounds on that hole. To come back on Sunday and do what he did and take down that championship, uh, kudos to him. It was uh, I, I wish we had him, but we didn't. But we had, a, like you said, all, all five guys in, on, in inside the top 13. Yep, two, um, two, two at fourth, uh, Spieth and Casey at fourth. We had Day and uh, Homa at sixth, just outside of that each-way bet. Cash, cash, cash. If you were on uh, Bet365, you would have hit on four out of those five picks, folks. And without a double bogey uh, from Strelman on uh, on six, 16. 16 on Sunday, you would have hit on five for five, and you'd be laughing your way to the bank. So another solid week. What do you think about Pebble? I had a question about Pebble for you that I wanted you to get into here. Um, what I thought about Pebble, I thought it, uh, Pebble's Pebble. Hey, 
Uh, one of the best properties on tour on the planet. No questions asked. Um, I'm going to stick up for Jordan Spieth. Daniel Berger went out and won that golf tournament with a 65 on Sunday. He could have even been lower, lipping out of the bunker on 15, yep. lipping out a putt on 12 on the par 3 for birdie. He could have easily been 20 under uh, plus. He was the class of the field last week. There's no questions asked. So anybody getting on Jordan Spieth, I'm not getting on that bandwagon. No way, man. No I thought ways. he played solid. Yeah, Spieth, good way to finish. Spieth is back. He lost the waste management in my mind. Yep. He lost that tournament. But he did not lose this week at Pebble. Daniel Berger won that golf tournament. Sure. Dutch, is Pebble Beach too short for the PGA Tour? No, not at all. And the reason why I say that is is, is because of the factors of the coast, right? I mean, wind is always a factor, whether it's uh, light or not. Um, they had a great, great weather this week. Besides the one little, uh, the one little stretch of some rain and some wind. And you look at the scores; they've got one of the smallest, smallest greens on tour. And you look at it. You look at it across the board. I think it was a, a, a it's it's a perfect test for them. I think they're a minus eighteen. There was no no twenty fours in that. So no, I don't think it's too short on the tour. Yeah, you know what? Minus eighteen is not that bad of a finishing number. They can definitely get the golf course um, playing much firmer, much faster. So yeah, they didn't have the U.S. Open green speeds going on. I don't know. I just I just feel it might be a bit too short for these guys. It, it was a birdie machine out there. Berger doesn't hit that ball out of bounds on uh, on Saturday. And I know woulda, coulda, shoulda, but I just felt Berger could have been minus twenty four this week with playing three rounds at Pebble and only one at Spyglass. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see. They ain't going they ain't going anywhere from Pebble. No, no. So Pebble, time will tell. Pebble will always be there for sure. And I like how they they used a few different tee decks that you don't not. It, not often get to see like the one uh, they were talking about. Um, they wouldn't have been able to use it if there was crowds there, which is the one right on. I, I can't remember which hole it was to be honest with you. Maybe twelve was it, or was it number ten there, right off the cliff? Yeah, so, yeah, and it was just a short little box tee deck. Yep. There. Yeah, yeah, number ten, and, and, and it was awesome. I, I would love to know if our, our buddy who, who played there, Savage, uh, actually got to play that tee deck because that was kind of cool. So I, I like the variety, and and I also like the fact that you you really got to see the whole golf course this time too, which was cool. Well, let's take that short drive and let's go up to Riviera. And I got a couple fun, interesting facts about uh, about Riviera that I wanted to share with our listeners, kind of like we did with our little Super Bowl preview. Sure, it's a big. This course been around forever. So, so when I went to LA, you were nice enough to get me onto one of the golf courses, uh, um, LA International, Trump International. So I won't say that. I well, called. I called Trump myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, when I called uh, Riviera, they, it didn't work out so well. But I was hoping to play with the likes. Of some of these members, folks, Tom Brady, Walt Disney, Humphrey Bogart, Larry David, Adam Sandler, Jack Nicholson. What a what a membership. One of the most exclusive clubs. Couple bucks, maybe. In Los it. Angeles. Dutch, I know you've been saving. I know you've been saving yeah, a lot. You've been you've been working hard. Do you got a spare three hundred thousand for me? Get out, really? Two fifty initiation is what's reported. Fifty thousand on the annual. Uh does that even make sense? American to be a member at Riviera. This is the 58th straight year that they've played the Northern Trust, the Genesis, the LA Open, whatever you want to call it. So another mainstay on the PGA Tour is Riviera Golf and Country. So I guess we're not getting on there with our PGA Tour cards. I don't think so. But how we can get on there, Dutch, is we can... Another, you you might have to dip into the, your, your life savings or the bank account here. Right. But for annually, usually 4500 
to $5,000 American. Me and you can play in the Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and I'll let you be the Big Brother. <laughs> um, and we get a twosome in the charity tournament with a caddy, and we get to go to the private gala dinner. We get dinner? We get dinner included as well. Sign me up, baby. So, perfect. And it's hosted the 2028 uh, Olympics. It Coming is. Up. It is. They got us. Those are some cool stats. I'm glad you brought that up. Now, that's crazy. That's expensive. But it, it's always a good, uh, a really good feel. This is where you start to see everybody pop in and pop um, uh, for to, to start to become regular on the tour. And, you know, look who they've got this week. You've got DJ. you got Rom, JT, Bryson's back, Brooks, Rory. That's just to name a few of all those. And then you've got your Xanders and you've got... Tony, if you know, like it's a it's an absolute kick ass lineup. Yeah, really start good to feel. finish, it's going to be exciting. So we we were scorching. Um, I'm going to make fun of how you you came up with your 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 uh, rock steady pick of the week because he's my long shot. But why don't you throw out your you start with your your lock of the week and we'll go from there. Well, I'll start. Usually, I start from the bottom and I go to the top. But to make sense of all this, of I got to start from the top and then go to the bottom because the field was so good. The odds were crunched at the top of the field. Yep. But my big gun of the week, third at Abu Dhabi, tied 16th at Farmers, 13th at the Waste Management. He's shown some good form. 10 to 1 outright. 3, 3.5 or 4 to 1, depending on where you get it, on the each way bet. He hasn't been outside of the top 20 since 2016. Uh, last two years with a T4 and last year with a T, or 2019 T4 and 2020 T5. That is the Irishman, Rory McIlroy, as my big gun of the week. I had him as my lock of the week, too, so I won't get into the details because I pretty much had the same thing as you uh, about it. Um, it's just, can he handle uh, the no crowds? So um, I'll throw in a, a different uh, lock of the week for our listeners, but that's kind of who I had as my pick, too. That's right. Continue on. My rock steady pick of the week, and why he's rock steady is T4 at Waste Management, T29 at Farmers, T14 at Sony, and T8 at Mayakoba. Unless you're paying attention week in and week out to the PGA Tour, you might not recognize this name. He is was the Mexican Amateur of the Year in uh, 2017 and 18. He's rock steady. He's not a long shot. 46 to 1 I got him at. 12 to 1 on the each way. In this event, in 2019, he was T9. 2020, he was T26. So he's he's played this golf course well. Because sometimes it takes a few years for uh, some of these guys to figure out this golf course. And that's the one, the only, Carlos Ortiz. So how could you have him as your rock steady pick with that lineup of all the guys playing? It just doesn't make sense. I have him at my, as my long shot at 50 to 1. So let's say 46, 50 to 1. Okay, yes, all of your stats that you said earns him a rock steady pick but not with this lineup and not with the fact that when you look at the, the those the 50 guys or however many people in front of them and go you're gonna just pull out carlos ortiz as the rock steady that's a long shot he he i i have him i have him hopefully finishing in the top five same that's our usual that's what we're trying for okay and i got the exact same thing he had an awesome awesome run in phoenix including the 64 on sunday and he did win back in november at the houston open correct since November, is Carlos Ortiz not a top 10 golfer on the PGA Tour? Top 20, maybe, but... Oh, come on! But th- there's a reason why he's 50-1. to 1. You can't tell me that's a rock-steady pick. That's a long shot. But They're we'll, not paying attention. But we'll agree to this. Well, then, good. We'll take him at 50-1 to 1 if you and I both think he's 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 viable for he's this tournament. He's going to be there. He's playing just as good a golf good. as anybody. Sign me up, man. I, I, I We both have the same pick on that one, so... So, I'll let you take Ortiz as your long shot. 
I'm, I'll throw out another name for Rocksteady Pick. Wait, and you you, you gonna, must go 500 to 1 on this guy. No, nope, this is another crazy one, Rocksteady Pick, but he's showing good form. I didn't have the stats down on the sheet because you threw me for a loop. But uh, Matt Kuchar, Rocksteady, he's been around here, uh, this golf course, for many years. Had some good form here. But uh, he doesn't fit into your Rocksteady Pick top 10 because he's 73 to 1. Okay. 20 to 1 on the each way. So we're finding good value this week. I want our listeners to get paid. And my dark horse, and I really, really like this one, I don't see with the form that he's had at this golf course why he's at the number he's at. And 2018, he was T20. 2019, he was T9. I'm talking quietly, folks, because I don't want those odds to go anywhere. 2020, he was T13. So he hasn't been outside the top 20 in three years. He's 150 to 1, so he's not quite 200 to 1. 38 to 1 on the each way, and that's Vaughn Taylor as my dark horse pick wow. of the week. Wow. T21 quietly at Pebble, T25 at Sony. So he's he's got some sort of form here. Well, okay. Well, let's I'm see if taking... we can get him. Let's see if we can get him in the top ten and 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 and, and hit bank here. We gotta keep our streak going on. That's a that's a bold one. And all of our picks are all over the place because we like we said we had doubles in the same. So so as Rory was my my uh, lock of the week, um, I'm gonna throw in a different guy, and that's Victor Hovland. Uh, I really think that this course suits him well. Um, he's a bomber as well. Um, Look out for him. That's just an extra pick. I didn't really do too much research on him, but that that's another guy that I was looking at before I ended up with uh, with Rory. My my rock steady of the week, Colin Morikawa. Yep, good pick. Loves the West Coast. Twenty five to one. He's a local native there. Um, he was T twenty six last year when he made his first uh, appearance at Riviera, um, and this is kind of really where it started for him uh, this last uh, this last year when he went on a tear. Um, he won twice. Uh, he had a second place last season, uh, including the PGA Championship, which was out on the West Coast in San Francisco as well. So I really like the way uh, I, I think he's going to be there in the mix. And he, you got to put him in those those names, like we said, with the, the star-studded field. I think he's a star in the making. So those are my picks. Uh, again, the long shot is uh, is Carlos Ortiz. So what do we got? We got Rory, Carlos Ortiz, Matt Kuchar, Kalamorikawa, and Vaughn Taylor. Vaughn Taylor. Rounded it out. Those are our it. picks. We'll post them up on Facebook and Instagram, folks, weekly, all of our picks. Um, we'll put them up on Thursday morning as well, so all the listeners uh, don't have to necessarily find and listen back on the podcast. They can go right there Thursday morning before they tip it and get the best odds possible for this week's Genesis Open at Riviera Golf and Country Club. You got it. Well, let's get into the last segment. You wanted to talk some uh, some NCAA. Yeah, we've been rolling. Uh, we've we've sprinkled it in here the last couple podcasts, but now we're getting into the nitty gritty. There's only about four or five games left um, in the regular season. We're going to be getting into some conference tournaments. Let's let's just hope there's no outbreak. Uh, you know, because kids, we already know this. Kids aren't smart these days, and and, and there's been they're not always following the guidelines. And you can see it, it's clear. And I know you're going to go on and say, well, there's there's tons and tons of games each night per se, but I've been looking and tracking, and it's like 48 games every single night have been postponed or canceled altogether. There's another five today. There's another five tomorrow. So, like I said, I just don't know. We could have a funky tournament. Complete. It's going to be different. Yeah, I think the hope with, with the, the big tournament is, is that with that one central location that they can get everybody there, have them in quarantine, in the spot, following the guidelines, 
following all the protocols to make the big tournament happen. I think you'll see a lot of teams um, gracefully bow out of uh, the conference tournaments, depending on if they've got an outbreak, depending if they need to help state their case for uh, the, to get into the NCAA tournament. A team like, uh, I know you wanted to talk about one of their players, but a team like a Duke or a North Carolina. Um, because I know Duke's probably not going to make the tournament. No, they're not going to make the tournament. And I actually have a Dutch's dog. So before you talk about those Canadians in the NCAA, I, I, why not? Let's start with Duke and let's start with a little Dutch's dog. I, I'm going to just fire it out right here. Duke, we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, you, you said they were most likely not going to make the tournament. So what does Jalen Johnson do? Former five-star recruit. Okay. Ops out for the rest of the season because he wants to get ready for the NBA. He's their second leading scorer and rebounder. Okay, and I know he had a Floyd injury and he's got it. He had another MRI, so there's a little bit, you know, of, of injury problems there. But come on, man, this isn't football, son. Step up for your team. Instead, no, you're gonna just say we're shit this year. I'm gonna take a pass. Jalen Johnson, you're my Dutch's dog. Sorry, bud. Well, I think the whole Duke squad should have been a Duchess dog, but I, I can't agree more. Can't agree more with Jalen Johnson. You're bang on with it. Uh, I hope it. I hope some of these NBA teams uh, take a good hard look at that. Absolutely. I hope he drops uh, drops his stock for sure. So you know, we, this could be a three hour conversation about Canadians in the NCAA. There will be this year alone 159 males in NCAA men's basketball, um, over 55 females in NCAA female basketball, um, which is better all-time record high. So we could talk all day and long about all these Canadians and, and the impact. And I think once we get down to the tournament, we can get a real good look at, you know, who's going to be contributors and, you know, who, who our viewership can watch. What I wanted to help drive home today too was, was, and, and I saw this on uh, on one of the games I was watching over the weekend. I'm going to read you some of the names of the top 20 all-time leading programs in NCAA men's college basketball. Okay, Kentucky, Kansas, UNC, Duke, Temple, Syracuse, UCLA, Notre Dame, St. John's, Indiana, Cincy, Utah, Arizona, Purdue, Western Kentucky, Illinois, Texas, Penn, BYU, and Washington. Okay, that's the top 20 all-time winningest programs. Out of those 20 teams, three of them are ranked and less than half of them will make up this year's NCAA wow. tournament. So they're, just to help drive that fact home, I've been pumping it for a while here now that some of these teams are not going to be in the tournament. Some of them are not even going to be in contention to get into the second weekend, the Sweet 16, into the Elite Eight. There's a few uh, teams on that list that, or that are not on the list that I thought might have, might have been on there for all-time winnings, and that would be, you know, like your Michigan, Mich um, I, yep. right? Michigan I don't even see non, Michigan State on there. Not even Michigan State. Right? No. Uh, Georgetown. Uh, so nope. I, I'm surprised some of those on there. But, you know, I mean, those are, you know, most of those, I mean, you, you threw a couple in there that, um, maybe like people aren't gonna know that Western Kentucky, uh, um, St. John's per se, but the rest of them, you're right, and it, it's gonna be a major shakeup. 
I'm interested when we get closer to these conference championships. I want to know your thoughts. I want you to give me your top five Canadians. We'll get back to it, but I want to give I want you to give me your top five Canadians in the tournament on who you think can make an impact for their team and see if uh, we can get a Canadian in the final this year. Yeah, for sure, and and that's why I thought it would be a little bit better to take a look at that. What I wanted to take a look at right now and and what I kind of prepared for you here, and you can give your thoughts is. I'm going to give a little early prediction of who I see as the one, twos, and three seeds here for this NCAA tournament and okay. how we close out. So we'll start with our fours here, okay? I'm going to give the second shout-out of this week's podcast. All right, all right. Okay, I got Arkansas, Loyola, Chicago, Illinois, and Creighton as my shout-out of the week. They did not make it in to Ginger's top four in the NCAA Ranking. So I'll start with the four seed. Who's going to fall on the four line here in the NCAA tournament as we, we play these last few games of the regular season, as we play these conference tournaments? Number four, my first four is Texas. Tough finish. They've got to play Western uh, West Virginia, Kansas, and Texas Tech. Tough finish. They're going to finish the season out at Texas Tech if that game happens. The winner of that game will be a three seed. The loser will be the four. I got Texas being the loser at four. I got West Virginia at four. Yeah, Florida, like Florida State at four. And I got USC beating out those honorable mention teams and the only Pac-12 representative on the list as a number four seed heading into the NCAA March Madness Tournament. My threes, Illinois. Same thing that falls in under Texas. Tough schedule to finish. You're at Minnesota, at Wisconsin, or home to Wisconsin, at Ohio State to finish. They'll probably lose two out of those three games. Illinois will fall. I believe they're currently ranked fifth right now in the AP poll, uh, seventh on some polls that you'll see. They're going to fall down outside of the top ten. They'll come in at a three seed. Oklahoma, the only game they really got left is Texas, um, but I see Oklahoma as the three seed. I got my sleeper dark horse pick that I gave you back a month ago. Iowa coming in, best player in college basketball, Luca Garza. They've got Bohannon, Wisecamp, McCaffrey shooting lights out from behind the line. I got Iowa coming in at three, and I got Texas Tech as that other three, like I said. My two seeds, I've got Coach Chris Holtman and the Ohio State Buckeyes coming in at a two seed. Wow. Yep. I've got a sneaker coming in at number one here. Okay. Tough finish as well in that uh, that Big Ten. They've got Michigan, they've got Iowa, and they've got Illinois. Three out of their last five games, I believe. So a tough finish for Ohio State. I got Tony Bennett and the defending NCAA March Madness champions. Virginia Cavaliers as the two seed. I got Jay Wright, always there. One of the best programs that we've seen over the last 20 years in college basketball. Veteran-laden squad with Colin Gillespie. And uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, one of the best defenders in college basketball, balanced team, five guys scoring in double digits. The Villanova Wildcats will be a number two seed. Oh, I thought you were going there with number one. I was nope. prepping that right there. I thought I was like, ah, man, really? You're going down <laughs> No, I always pick Villanova, and they always bite me. But uh, they'll be a number two this year. I got Alabama. They're the best team in the SEC. Down year for the SEC. Uh, Georgia's struggling. Kentucky's struggling. Um, Missouri and Arkansas are decent squads. They'll give them a challenge in the SEC tournament if they all play. But Alabama will be the last number two seed in. So now, that takes you to number the number one seed. So let me spin them out. You're going to tell me why because we already know two of them for sure. So we already know that the Zags 
and Baylor are going to be number one seeds, and the Zags will probably be number one overall for the tournament. Not that that means anything. 24 straight years with 20-plus wins for Mark Few and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Congratulations. Well done. One finals. Yep. And I'm not discrediting it because we love the Zags. But, you know, our boy Pangos, we love the Zags all the way across the board. But, you know, they're they're in a, an absolute horrendous conference. They've been in a horrendous conference. And it's not their fault. But, you know, and they've gotten better over the years in playing. Uh, obviously, with COVID going on, uh, it's been a bit different. But they've gotten better playing in these early tournaments and playing some of these big teams. Yep. Just to state Tougher. their yep. yeah to state their case. So, we know we got the Zags. We know we've got Baylor. Yep. you got Michigan, I'm assuming. Yep, Michigan with a big win this Which week. Yep. Then that leaves none other than the Houston Cougars. That's correct. Oh, I nailed it. You I did nail it. I was worried with the pause there. I'm like, I wonder if he's going to get it. Yeah. The Houston Cougars. Wow. Quinton Grimes flying up into the number one. They'll steal the fourth number one seed. I'm telling you right now, this team is fun to watch. And... Yeah, we're in for a while. Well, they're seventeen ride. and two. They could win outright, right? They've they've got four games left, and they're no, playing nobody. They're playing nobody. So I just looked at it. They got Wichita State, Cincinnati, yeah. South Florida, Memphis. You're right. They're on a roll there. So you think that they can? Yeah, which makes sense. They're gonna they're gonna jump over Illinois. They're gonna jump over Ohio State, and Virginia's gonna be behind them. Which I, I think you're right. If they win out here, they're they're a, a one seed, and that that's a great. That's yep. you, you did your homework. It, it makes sense to me. And I got. Uh, Juwan Howard and Michigan winning this Sunday against Ohio State. That's why I've got them as the number one. They beat number one. If Ohio State does, in fact, win that game, then I believe they'll jump into a number one seed. I love it. I, I wanted to throw just a couple, or not a couple, but I just wanted to throw something in there. We were talking about some of those big the big teams, and, and I, I want to throw another big team in there that just all of a sudden, you know, they win a game, and now all of a sudden they go up 10 spots, and now they're 23 in the rankings, and that's the Kansas Jayhawks. And it just goes back to my whole, uh, just my whole, you know, they, they win three in a row now, and all of a sudden they're back to the top of the, and they're going to creep up, and before you know it, they might be in the top 15 ranked, like, it just, I don't know. Why? Because they're because of the conference they play in. It just, you know, so it's the Big 12, whatever. It doesn't make sense. We've had that argument before. I don't know. I don't know. It just, it's it's silly. Oh, and it, well, you know, Arkansas moved up too. You have him in your, in your. I had him as an honorable mention. You got yeah. it. But I mean, there'll be a five. Yeah, they're 16 and five now. And, and they went up 16 spots in the rankings. And now they're 24th in the top, of the top 20 feet, uh, 25. So. Um, interesting to see, like you said, there's some different names up there. Uh, we're, uh, we're going to get real excited. Uh, um, I'd say what it's two weeks away from the conference championships, right? Yeah. Two weeks away. We're going to finish up here and then we're right into the conference tournaments and then, uh, around the corner to March Madness. That's why I wanted to give our listeners a little deep dive into some of the teams that, uh, to look out for, to start paying attention to start looking at, seeing how they finish up. Seeing what they do in their conference tournament. If you're in my my March Madness pool, though, just don't, don't listen to all of what we say because we want to win some shekels as well. There we go. Well, you got any closing thoughts for this episode, Dutch? No, a little disappointed, obviously, uh, with the outcome of our special guest. But you know what? Uh, you can't win them all, and uh, we'll we'll get him back in a couple weeks. Uh, uh, he was great for the five minutes that we had on there, and you know what? We'll uh, we'll keep plugging away. For sure, we'll get Craig on again, and we appreciate uh, him agreeing to come on and and uh, spending a few minutes with us at least. Make sure, listeners, uh, you're coming on uh, this Thursday night, 8, 8 p.m., fr- uh, February the 18th, for our Instagram Live interactive session. We want your questions. We want your feedback, comments, 
um, with our QB carousel talk with the old boyfriend of the show. Hopefully we can snag Dutch on there for a few minutes as well. And other than that, thanks for tuning in to the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.